Good morning once again to you and grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. For the next two Sundays, we are going to be getting back to those I am statements of Jesus from the Gospel of John that we began, well, way before uh, Palm Sunday and Easter. If you remember, we've already looked at where Jesus said, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate for the sheep, I am the good shepherd, and I am the resurrection and the life. This week we will look at Jesus' statement in John 14:6, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And next Sunday we will look at the final I am statement of Jesus from John 15, where Jesus says, I am the true vine. So in the previous statements, we've seen that Jesus, as the bread of life, is our sustenance, that he gives us everything we need to sustain us as we live in this world. We've seen that Jesus, as the light of the world, came into our sin-darkened world to shine the light of God's love so that sinners could see the way to God. We've seen that Jesus is the gate for the sheep, that no one can enter the sheepfold of the people of God except through him. And we're going to see that that message is very similar to what we have for today. We've seen that Jesus is the good shepherd, that he provides for, protects, and leads his sheep and does all the things for us that a good shepherd will do for his sheep, even being willing to lay down his life so the sheep can live. And we've seen that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that he has the power to raise the dead and that he conquered death himself so that we could have life through him. So for this morning, we will be in John chapter 14, so I invite you to please take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 14, and please stand with me as you're able for the reading from God's Word. This morning, I'll just be reading John 14, verses 1 through 7. If you're following along in the Pew Bibles, it begins on page 763. Beginning in verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Oh Lord, as we spend some time in your word this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open it up to us, that your Spirit would teach us from your word, Lord. And that as always, Lord, as we look into your word, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together would be pleasing and acceptable to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. As I've done with all of these uh, I am statements of Jesus, I think it's important for us to consider the, the context in which that statement was made. In the previous chapter, in John chapter 13, 
Jesus had shared a meal with his disciples. And then during that meal, Jesus had gotten up from the table, taken a basin of water and a towel, and he had gone around the table washing his disciples' feet. And then he taught them that this was the same kind of a servant's heart that he wanted all of them to have. He went on later and told, told, that, told them that one of them would betray him. And Jesus then told Peter a little later that same night that he would deny him three times before the rooster crowed that morning. In that teaching around the table, Jesus also gave his disciples a new commandment that they were to love one another just as he had loved them, and that by their love for each other, the whole world would know that they were his disciples. And just before he gave them that new commandment, this is what he said. He said, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. So Peter asked Jesus where he was going. And Jesus told him that where he was going, Peter couldn't follow now, but that he would follow him later. Peter then asked Jesus, well, this is just like Peter, right? Well, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. And it was at that point that Jesus told him that Peter would deny him three times that same night. And this brings us to our passage for this morning. Jesus had just told his disciples that he would be leaving them. They had spent three years together, traveling together, eating together, being taught by Jesus, seeing the miracles that he had performed. And now Jesus tells them that he's going to be leaving them. This was a difficult thing for the disciples to hear. In fact, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to believe it. So Jesus begins his teaching in John 14 by telling his disciples, look, don't let your hearts be troubled by what I'm telling you. Trust in God. Trust also in me. He's telling them, look, I know that this seems like troubling news to you, but don't let your hearts be troubled by it. Trust God. Trust me. We know what's going on. It's all under control. And then in the next statements, Jesus actually tells his disciples where he's going. He says, in my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. He's saying, do you want to know where I'm going? I'm going back to my Father. And while I'm there, I'll be preparing a place for you in his presence. Now, Jesus doesn't go into detail here with them about all that's going to happen over the next three days, all the things that have to take place, his, his arrest, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, all the things that will pave the way for the disciples to be with him for eternity if they believe in him. But he does make them a promise. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, so that you also may be where I am. The disciples are upset at the news that Jesus is going to be leaving them. So he tells them, I'll come back for you, and you can be with me once again. Jesus is offering them comfort for their troubled hearts. 
And then he tells them something that they just don't seem to be able to understand. He says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And I can just picture the disciples looking at each other, wondering if, if one or any of them maybe knew something that the others didn't. Right? Well, we're not told about this, but I can just picture Peter turning to James and John. Yeah. Do you know what he's talking about? How, how can we know the way to where he's going if we don't really understand where it is he's actually going. That they're looking at each other, and I think there's this, this sense of confusion among them. So Thomas speaks up, doesn't he? And he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Thomas is speaking out loud, I think, the question that was on all of their minds. How can we know the way to where you're going when we don't really understand what that destination is? Jesus had told them many times before that the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem, be betrayed, being given over to the Gentiles, where he would be beaten and then crucified, and on the third day he would rise again. He had told them this before, but the words had never really sunken in. But now they are here in Jerusalem, right? It's the start of it. And the rest of these things are going to come to pass very quickly. And Jesus wants his disciples to understand how they can follow him, how they can know the way. So he tells them, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus had just told them that he was going back to the Father, that he'd be preparing a place for them to be with him forever, and then he tells them that the only way to get to the Father is through him. That he is the way to the Father. And if we were to read ahead in this passage, we would see that they still weren't really understanding what Jesus was telling them. Because Philip tells Jesus, Lord, just show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus responds by telling him that if anyone has seen Jesus, he has seen the Father. He says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The disciples are troubled by Jesus' words here. And they're not really understanding the implications of what Jesus is saying. We have the privilege, don't we, of being able to, to look back at Jesus' words many, many years after his death and resurrection. We have God's holy word written out for us. We can study it every day. The disciples were living what we are reading about today, and they still didn't understand what Jesus was saying. So what was Jesus saying here in this I am statement of his? Let's look at the first part of the statement. Jesus says, I am the way. And in the context of the passage, we see that Jesus is saying that he is the way to the Father. And there are many people in our world today that would look at this statement of Jesus and they would say, wow, that's a really arrogant thing to say. That you are the only way to God, really? And that's what many people think. That's what many people have been taught. That all religions are acceptable ways to get to God. That it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. One person that many people have followed over the last, I don't know, 20 or so years 
is Oprah Winfrey. We all know who Oprah Winfrey is, right? She's had a lot of influence in our society through her TV show, through her magazine. Listen to what Oprah had to say about this. Pretty eye-opening to what she really believes. There couldn't possibly be just one way. One of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live. She said, instead, there are many paths to what you call God. Many paths. And people have bought into that type of thinking, hook, line, and sinker. You've probably all heard the saying in the past, the saying that all roads lead to Rome. Have you heard that saying, that line? Yeah. All roads lead to Rome. That saying originally came from a translation of an early Latin phrase that was based on the original road layout around the city of Rome. That all of the cities surrounding Rome were connected to Rome by roads. But they weren't connected to each other. That way, everything had to go through Rome. It also made it harder for those cities to come together and rise up against Rome. So in that part of the Italian peninsula back then, all roads did lead to Rome. But this saying has come to have the meaning that there are many different ways to reach the same outcome or the same conclusion or the same destination. And many, many people have bought into that way of thinking about many things. But when it comes to salvation and being able to be in the presence of the Father, we can never say, as Oprah did, that all roads lead to God or that all religions will eventually lead to the same place. Because Jesus didn't give us that option. He didn't leave the door open for any other way to God. Jesus didn't say, I'm one of many ways. Jesus didn't say, I'm one of many options you can choose from. Jesus didn't place himself into a, a pantheon of multiple beliefs that you can follow. Jesus said, I am the way. Period. So if you're trusting in anything or anyone other than Jesus this morning, I'm sorry, but you're lost. You're lost. And this isn't just my opinion. Have you ever had a boss or someone over you say something to the effect of, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you? You ever heard that? Well, this is God not giving us his opinion but giving us absolute truth. Since God is the creator of all things, he is all-powerful, he knows everything there is to know, his truth, his holy word, overrides our opinions. And Jesus saying, I am the way, is God declaring this as absolute truth. And the Bible tells us this in other places as well, in Acts uh, chapter 4, verse 12, Peter is standing before the Sanhedrin, and he says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Suppose you're on a trip. You're traveling to a town you've never been to before. You get to the town, and you ask someone for directions for where it is you want to go. And the person you ask says, Okay. Take the first street to the right and then the second one to the left. Then when you cross the square, go past the church and go past the gas station and take the third street on the right and then the road you want will be the fourth street on the left. Now, if you didn't write that down, 
you're going to get lost pretty quickly, right? But suppose the person you ask says this instead. Come with me. Follow me. I'll take you there. In that case, that person to us is the way, and we can't miss it, and we won't get lost. And that, of course, is what Jesus does for us. He doesn't only give advice and directions. He himself takes us there. He doesn't just tell us about the way. He himself is the way. The pathway to God is not found by following a creed, by developing moral character, or even attending church. It's found by trusting in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. For he is the way. And he is also the truth. Now, truth is a kind of a loaded word in our society today, isn't it? Many people will ask today the same question that Pontius Pilate asked when Jesus was brought before him. Remember his question? Well, what is truth? Jesus has an answer for that too. He said, I am the truth. And that's the next part of our saying for today. I am the truth. And again, people today have a hard time with this statement of Jesus because they will say that there is no absolute truth. They'll say what might be true for you, but might not be true for me. You have your truth and I have my truth. And people who say this have no concept of what the word true or truth actually means. If you look up the word in the dictionary, look up the word true, you'll read this. In accordance with or not contrary to fact. It's based on fact. The word truth is defined as conformity with fact or reality, a verified or indisputable fact. So a statement is either true or it is not true. It can't be true for one person and not true for another person. And I find this interesting if you think about it. When someone makes the statement that there is no absolute truth, what they don't realize is they have just made an absolute statement themselves, believing it to be absolutely true. A woman went into a butcher shop one day just as it was closing. And most things had already been packed away for the night. She explained that she had just received a telephone call and was going to have unexpected guests for dinner. And she needed some meat. So she told the butcher she needed a large chicken. So he went into the back in the refrigerators and he came back with the only unfrozen chicken, one that she could actually cook, that was left in the shop. When he put it on the scale to weigh it, the woman looked to see the weight and she said, you know, I need a larger one than that. Well, the butcher, knowing that it was the only unfrozen chicken he had available, thought to himself that uh, maybe I could make a little money off of this woman if I was a little dishonest. So he goes to the back. A few moments later, he comes back out, but carrying the same chicken. This time when he waited, he pressed down on the scale with his thumb a little bit that was hidden behind the chicken. So when she saw the weight on the scale, she told the butcher, oh, okay, that's fine. In fact, I'll take both chickens. When you try to hide the truth, you need to be careful. Because sooner or later, the truth rises like cream to the top and can be seen by all. 
we live in what's called a postmodern society. Postmodernism is a term that's applied to a number of the trends in our modern culture. And one of those trends tells us that there is no such thing as a fixed truth, or as I've talked about, an absolute truth. What you believe is truth for you and what someone else believes is truth for them, they say that can all be accepted. In our schools, in our colleges, in our universities, students are taught this nonsense that all truth is relative. They'll say that what Christians believe might be true for them, but what Buddhists and Muslims and Hindus and everyone else believes is equally true for them. They'll say that they're all right because all truth is relative and that there is no absolute truth. But the Bible teaches that there is absolute truth. You don't have to look very far in the scriptures to find any number of mentions of truth. The psalmist in Psalm 26, verse 3 says, For your love is ever before me, and I walk continually in your truth. Psalm 86, verse 11, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Psalm 119, verse 30, I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. Throughout the Old Testament and throughout history, many people have, have sought after the truth. Many people have sought to tell, tell us the truth. But the only person who ever fully embodied the truth is Jesus, because he is the truth. John said about Jesus in, in John chapter 1, verse 14, that he was full of grace and truth. Jesus is the only one who has ever lived who can make that claim that he is the truth. And then he also tells us another truth in this statement of his when he says that he is the life. John uses the word life 36 times in his gospel. It's really a favorite topic of his. In fact, he tells us toward the end of his gospel that he wrote all of this so that people might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing they might have life in his name. Jesus told us that the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he has come that we might have what? Life and have it to the full. And I think that deep down inside, everyone wants to live a full life an abundant life. And many people do lead somewhat full lives, but their lives will never, ever be truly fulfilled without faith in Jesus, who, as the scriptures tell us, is the author and perfecter of life. Someone has said that there are seven stages to the human life, and they can be described this way. We start out life having spills, then we learn drills, we experience thrills, we pay bills, we go through ills, we take pills, and finally we make wills. Right? Spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, and wills. Really? Is that all we have to look forward to in life? Sadly, it is all that people will experience if they go through life without faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If we combine this last part of the statement, I am the life, with the first part, I am the way, we see that Jesus is the only way to true life, to 
abundant life, to eternal life. And again, you don't have to look hard in the Scriptures to find teachings about life. Proverbs 6.23, For these commands are a lamp, this teaching is a light, and the correction of discipline is the way to life. The psalmist in Psalm 16, verse 11, that Steve led us in this morning says, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Life was uh, the outcome of some of these other I am statements of Jesus as well. What did he say? I am the bread of what? Of life. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of what? Life. I am the resurrection and the life. I believe that everyone on earth is searching for life and what will make their life full. They want to find what will make their life worth living. We see this in, as themes in books and plays and movies all the time, right? A novelist will have one of their characters who has fallen in love say something like this. I never knew what life was. I never knew what love was until I saw it in your eyes. How many of you have ever seen the musical The Music Man? Have you seen that one? It's one of my favorites. I love that musical. Well, there's a song in that musical that's, well, it's kind of sappy. But it catches this sentiment. Maybe some of you remember it. There were bells on the hills but I never heard them ringing. No, I never heard them at all. What? Till there was you. There were birds in the sky. I never saw them winging. No, I never saw them at all. Till there was you. Right? Oh, no, no, no. The last verse was, there was love all around. But I never heard it singing. I never heard it at all. Till there was you. You guys remember that song? Well, that same sentiment that seems kind of sappy from the musical actually expresses the truth of Jesus' statement here. I could say in my own personal life, Jesus, there always seemed like there were many ways, many ways to go, but I never knew the real way till there was you. You know, there were all kinds of knowledge and wonders that I could learn, but I never knew the real truth till there was you. I had lived what I thought was a, a full life, but I never experienced life, true life, abundant life. Jesus, till there was you. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There should be no confusion here. This is a very bold statement that Jesus made. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There are not multiple ways to God the Father. There's only one. And Jesus is that way. There are not multiple truths, relative truths out there. There's only one. And Jesus himself is that truth. Any ideas or concepts or philosophies that go against Jesus' teachings or go against the Word of God are not truth. Many people seem to be searching for truth and will go to great lengths to find truth. Well, Jesus is the truth that they're looking for. 
Because only in him do we find truth, and only in him do we find life. In John 8, 32, Jesus said, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. He was talking about himself in that statement. When we come to know Jesus, who is the truth, we will find freedom. We will find life. For Jesus sets us free. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This powerful I am statement of Jesus is packed with meaning. Jesus is not merely one way among many ways to get to God. He is the only way. Jesus is not just one of many truths out there. He is the ultimate truth, the truth that sets us free. And Jesus alone is the author and perfecter and sustainer of life. He is where we find our meaning. He is where we find full, abundant life. So I ask you today, do you have a saving relationship with the way, the truth, and the life? I hope that you do. And if you have any questions about that or you're wondering about that, I'd love to talk with you sometime about that. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. May you rest in that, in your own faith, and in your own life today. That the way to God is through him, all truth is found in him, and life is found through faith in Jesus Christ. Please pray with me. Oh Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you have made your way known to us. We see that phrase a lot in the scriptures, Lord. You have made your way known to us, and it is through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth, for living as an example to us, for, for living a perfect life that we can't live, and that because you lived a perfect life, you went to the cross for us. You took our sins upon yourself. You died a horrible death so that we could be forgiven. Thank you for your death. Thank you as well for conquering death and rising from the grave. That is the, the truth of Scripture, Lord. That you conquered death. You rose from the grave to grant us eternal life with you one day. And I thank you for the, the life we can live in you today, the abundant life we can live in you through having faith in you and through your Holy Spirit living within us. You are indeed the way, the truth, and the life. And we thank you for that, Lord. Help us to, to live our lives in accordance with that and to share, Lord, that same truth with those around us each and every day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.